0: I saw what you did in the barn. You deviant little whore. we are insane. You're you just like me.
1: Time to turn our backs on sin and
2: make the... Complaint. I'm nothing like you. Once and all. You're kidnapping,
3: murdering, sex things I'm a star. The whole world is gonna know my name. Say it, now.
0: I am
2: not accept... Alas, I do not deserve I do not deserve. Now that's what I call divine intervention. The Lord smiles on those who accept Him. Praise His name. Glory be to Jesus! The only thing we have to say is, fear is so. No. Be afraid. Be very
0: afraid.
3: There's
2: nothing to fear except God, whatever that means to you. Do I
0: look like someone who cares what God thinks? I will be no evil for Why, do I say this? Because we got holy God.
1: You're listening to a podcast exploring faith and fear. What scares us and what saves us. This is the fear of God.
3: Hello, and welcome to your favorite podcast at the intersection of faith and fear, where every week we discuss what scares us in order to find what saves us this is the fear of god speaking to you right now is one of your hosts nathan rouse and typically with me as fellow co-host reed lackey and guys he was here but he said he needed to take some dinner to his in-laws that is just so sweet of reed i am sure he'll be back in the meantime allow me to welcome you listeners back to a brand new year here at the fear of god for our first series each year we cover films from the previous year's slate of horror releases and 2023 is no different what is different is today we will not only be covering a 2022 film, but I am also joined right now by a longtime friend of the fog, blogger, podcaster, teaching pastor at Catalyst Community Church in Dallas, Texas, and author whose book Empathy for the Devil is a house favorite here in the fog. One of few men I know who gives me beard envy. Friends and foggers, welcome back to the show. Our friend J.R. Forestero. J.R., thank you for
2: hanging out with us today. It is so good to be back with y'all. Uh, I, I miss y'all getting been to talk too long. with you. So I know, you know, and it's always a good we, excuse to be back. But though. see,
3: we're making up for lost time because we picked a doozy of a pair of movies today. I am so excited for
2: this conversation.
3: <laughs> uh, yes, listeners today, Jr. will be joining us for Rarified Air here at The Fear of God. One of those extremely uncommon occasions when we set out to cover two films at once. That is right. X marks the spot today as we crack open one insane oyster of a film pairing, that of Ty West Gonzo Farmhouse Double Feature X and Pearl. But before we make a good, dirty movie, permit me to remind you listeners that here at The Fear of God, we explore. We don't explain, except for right now when I explain that you can find not only your hosts and other foggy peers in our Fear of God Facebook group, but any and every other fog and fear of God thing imaginable can be found at the thefearofgodpodcast.com. Things like how to support us on Patreon, essays, team bios, episode archives, merchandise. What's this? A pig on the porch. It's really Lackney. Reed. Lacky. Reed.
1: F-, F and finally
3: here you are (laughs) yeah that's what i said (laughs) finally jr's here (laughs) i'm here man it's so good to be back with you Reed comes it in is. hot when he comes uh, <laughs> yeah. from from whatever his adventures have taken him. Whatever
1: my adventures are. Oh, Jr. It is so good to see you, man. I've been what what this all is is it's just me orchestrating a very labyrinthine excuse to have a conversation with you again.
2: That's really all. I mean, so, I would say let's just hang out more often, but I'd rather be on the podcast. <laughs> so like, let's keep. it But then exactly, it'd be awkward yeah. to record that. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, know? right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> it's like
3: exactly. hey, hey, Jr. Do you mind if I just hit record on this?
2: And we'll... <laughs> I'm That's so as podcast. Hangout. The fascinating podcast started. Uh, was one of the three wow. of us turned on a camera while we were all hanging out for the first time yeah so, oh my yeah, gosh yeah that's mm-hmm. cool
3: that's well, really, really you cool. know that's that's what they discovered in x you just turn on a camera and, <laughs> and then you the know happen.
1: what happens right yeah yeah,
3: yeah. um <laughs> real quick uh uh we've got a little bit of business time to get to and that is we are um this is effectively the penultimate episode of 2022.2 uh However, next week, Reed and I will not be present. You will be greeted to the trio of quarterly queens who will be discussing the film Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness that will round out our 2022 coverage. But right after that, we're starting something fun and new and a little different in building up to our next quarterly king. Uh, we are going to do a run of episodes. Uh, all of these episodes building up to the Quarterly King installment will be covering pieces of material from the King short story collection Night Shift. So we'll do four standard episodes featuring just a, a a who's who of foggers talking about short stories. That's all going to culminate in the Quarterly King's camping out to talk about the book writ large. Read, is there anything I'm missing that needs to be addressed
1: about uh, only only two things. And then I'm going to call on Jr. I I see that hand. I see that. Mm -hmm. hand. Um, So uh, one thing I will mention is just uh, pitching a little hype since this is the last of the 2022.2 episodes that we will be on listeners. You've been itching, wanting to find out what your listener voted top 10 Mm -hmm. horror films from last year were, because we haven't revealed it through these episodes. Normally we reveal it kind of in pieces along the way, but we didn't do that this year, this year, We have given that honor directly to the Queens. So next week, not only will our trio of Queens be covering Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, but they will be revealing your listener-voted top 10 horror films of last year it is a wild and bananas list um, that is an
2: incredible honor to bestow upon that. it is well yes i mean listen, you know
3: you know what it really? was hard to give it up <laughs> they the, it, that that list has been
1: revealed elsewhere where did that list get revealed and how could oh, they have gotten to be a, a good part of point. that oh that's a good point so that list was revealed at the newly enshrined recurring patron privilege of the happy hour horror Hangouts. That's right. If you want to just come and just have an hour where we're just chatting movies and chatting horror and talking about what's going on in our lives, but just hanging out, it's just a lot of fun hanging out. Uh, all of the patrons at the $5 or above level, we're going to do that every month-ish, month, every couple of months, whatever, but multiple times throughout the year, happy hour horror hangouts. We just get together uh, when when a time works for everybody and, and we just come, just hang out. It's literally just, it was so much fun. It's just an hour of just catching up with people that we don't get to see or talk to. And man, we had a blast with that. And that was where this time around we revealed to them, to that small little cabal of people, we revealed the top 10 listener uh, voted horror films to them, but everybody else can wait till next week to hear the Queens uh, reveal it. So um, the other thing that I want to mention, Jr., I have not forgotten your hand, but one thing, (laughs) other thing I want to mention is that uh, night shift. um, This is going to be something kind of new for us. So normally we cover material that'll just have, okay, it'll have an episode or there'll be a a movie or a book or something that'll be on there. But for Night Shift, because it's just this wild bananas collection of like 20 plus stories. So what we did is each episode is going to feature shorter segments, but multiple of them with different casts of characters. We're recording these like like our own fog short stories. Yeah, it's kind of like there's all these little minisodes that we've packaged together and given to you. Some that are just going to be for the patrons. Those are I've been on a couple of those and they're really fun. And then there's going to be others that just everybody gets to enjoy. And then we'll all come back together with the standard quarterly kings to talk about the cl- collection of night shift as a whole. So it's very very fun. Uh, Jr. What what did you have on your mind?
2: Uh, my question was specifically <laughs> about night shift uh ah, just wanted yes. to know if you will be covering the scariest short story I've ever read in my entire life the Jaunt
1: oh uh i believe that is not in night shift is that in night shift hang on i have the book right here <laughs> i'm like second oh Where's, you're giving me a JR, lot of you accidentally
3: right just stepped in a bear trap brother I when, did. Yeah. you know uh, in the canon of the fog lore is stump read and so did did jr just stump you read or did I, you with, it, you with this a volume back
1: no 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 with with a full heart i was fairly certain that the jaunt is from Skeleton Crew, which uh, I'm. I'm oh, I, have yeah. now con- I have now confirmed that it is because it is not one of the so, night so. Okay, so, so no, I, I withdraw
3: it,
2: the question. You, you heard it okay. your
1: first,
3: listeners. Reed just embarrassed our guest. Uh, oh come on, I mean, no, I'm not embarrassed. Oh. Happy to be okay. corrected.
1: <laughs> okay, right. <laughs> hey, you know, um, what's kind of cool though, and I'm saying this kind of and and hopefully the listeners will enjoy this because I've I've had probably more fun than I've expressed actually like programming it and putting together because we've got like. We're pairing people together that like never get to talk to each other, and Nathan and I aren't on every single segment, and so like it's just kind of different for us. It's it's a little new, um, but if people like it, we figured this would be a good template to cover things like Skeleton Crew and Jr. I'm uh take I'm taking notes here that uh, when the we cover, when we get around to Skeleton Crew and the jaunt comes up, I may be reaching out to one Mr. Foresteros to say, hey, well you free around uh, X or Pearl time frame? So yes.
2: <laughs> I think about that short story. Weekly. Huh. Wow. Wow. Yeah.
1: That's fantastic. It messed me I, up. It's uh funny because well, you my, just signed yourself up, brother. I'm here. <laughs> I'm here for it. <laughs> okay. I'm I, here uh, spuzzle. The main context for the jaunt in my household is because sometimes when I am going to a place, either the grocery store or something that's nearby, and I choose to walk, not drive, uh, then my wife will sometimes say, like, you're not gonna drive. And I was like, No, 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 it's just a little jaunt. And then she's and she's like, What? Nobody uses that word. <laughs> <laughs> i'm just like it's i can blame king i can blame Stephen king for that
3: so yes i'm gonna, I'm gonna just express solidarity with you read I, I use that word a decent amount
2: it's oh, a good word uh, i don't use separate. it because um, okay.
3: yes i don't have the key trauma so maybe it'll ruin it for
2: time. me guilt yeah. yeah. by, exactly.
3: by, by association okay uh, so about this episode jr mm. formally you've only appeared on the show one time and that was several years ago but Everybody I know has got a big butt, right? What is your big butt, <laughs> JR? I'm just kidding. I love the Pee-wee's but Big Adventure has gotten name dropped twice in our conversation so far. Um, I feel like you always kind of just exist in the fogs periphery, so I'm super happy to have you back and this time to discuss some pretty incredible films. But before we get to that, you know, we like to have a little get to know you time for our listeners, especially new folks since last you were on a minute ago who maybe didn't hear that episode um i want to reference empathy for the devil for a minute um for those who did not listen to that original episode one scour the archives you can find it uh maybe we'll try to recirculate it once this episode releases but can you one uh share a little about what uh, describe the book and then share a little about what inspired you to write it but also it's been out a minute and, and I'm curious, just as your peer, not so much as a person with a microphone, like what kind of response have you seen since it's been out in the wild
2: for a few years now?
3: Can you speak? Yeah, great question. Things?
2: So, yeah, the books called Empathy for the Devil. Uh, its subtitle is Finding Ourselves in the Villains of the Bible. And so I took seven of the most famous villains in scripture and asked the question, if we assume that these were real three dimensional people, not the you know two dimensional cartoon mustache twirling villains, you know some of them didn't even have mustaches because they were ladies, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> um, well, I mean, and, you know. and we assume that like like all people do, they acted in what they thought was their own best self interest, right? They they did what the they acted on what they thought they was the best op- option they had at the time. Then why did they do? the things for which they have become infamous, you know, so why did Cain kill Abel? Why did Delilah kill Samson? Why was Jezebel so opposed to God and God's prophets? Why did Judas betray the guy that he followed around for how, you know, 18 months to three years and and called Messiah and all this stuff. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, Why did Herod, why did Herod kill the babies? Right. Like that's uh, who who would do such a thing. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And I wanted to do that because, one, I think when you look at, you know, the Bible's been around for a minute and we've written a lot of words about it. And so there was kind of a, an unexplored area where I think not as much work had been done. Um, also, I just, I'm a guy who's always liked the people who get left out or uh, misrepresented or things like that. And so I, I was kind of attracted to trying to, again, not apologize for these people um, not do like the wicked thing where it's like, oh, mm, actually, sure. they were the good guy the whole time, right, um, right? But just understand, right? And then see, yeah, can I can I see any of their sins, uh, you know, reflected in my own life, or can I see some of the seeds of those sins in my own life beginning to take root? Um, and so I did a fiction piece where I sort of reimagined their story from their point of view, you know, kind of swung the camera around behind over their shoulder. Uh, and then I did a nonfiction, more Christian living section where I talk about, let's talk about why I wrote the story the way I did and what does scripture do with these people? And, uh, what are some of the lessons we can learn? So it was fun. It was a really fun book to write. I was really fortunate to be at a publisher that understood the concept of the book from the get-go and was championing it and pushing me deeper into it. Not trying to pull me back and say like, Whoa, (laughs) Mm -hmm. careful, Mm -hmm. bud. Like that's, you know, that's not how, uh, Matthew talks about Herod or whatever. Um, (laughs) You know, I got the idea for the book. I, honestly, it was when I went to the Holy Land in 2011 and stood in so many of the places that Herod the Great built. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wow, okay, there, there's more to this guy. Like he was using bleeding edge for the time engineering to do what were essentially engineering marvels of his day. You know, mm-hmm. I was like, man, like literally the only thing I ever knew about this guy was that he's the the Grinch of the Christmas story, you know, right. like, Jesus, Um, Okay, so he's he's obviously more complex than I thought. So I started digging into him. And the more I learned about him, the more fascinated I was. And the more I realized that his particular story, I think, has a lot of resonance for us today where I, and the example I use in the book for Herod specifically was drone warfare. You know, our, our U S drone program has killed more than 500 kids in yeah, the Middle East. Yeah. Um, and we call them collateral damage and we don't, we don't lose a wink of sleep about that because, right. uh, it purchases, it purchases the illusion of security for us. And so yeah. we sleep happy at night. We never think about these nameless kids Shit just and got real. Yeah. Well, <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and not to spoil the Herod chapter, I know you guys, I can't spoil it for y'all, but like, that's, That's where I go with that, right? Is it's like for Herod, he decided that these certain nameless, uh, unimportant boys unimportant on the world stage and important in his life were expendable if it meant Mm. purchasing the security of him and the people that he considered his, Yeah, you know, and so we are, we rush to vilify him when we think about him at all. I mean, we don't typically read that part of the Christmas story on, in the advent or the two Sundays of Christmas, but um, when we think about it at all, he's just, again, a cartoon villain, right? Who's like, who's like gleefully skipping around, murdering babies. And really, I don't know that you could find a better analog for the American military machine and our complicity in it uh, than King it. So yeah, yeah, that's, that's what I do with the books.
1: <laughs> <And> <laughs> I love it. I, love it. Um, I want to crack it open again.
2: So it's been, yeah, it's been six years, I guess, since I put it out almost five and a half. And I think the thing that, that really just delights me every time someone reads it is they feel a permission To explore Scripture in new ways Mm -hmm. and to ask better questions of who God is, Um, I actually just recently uh, a friend that I met last year uh, gave gave uh, her and her husband a copy of my book, and I got an email you know like a month ago, and she was like, "Hey, I'm so sorry, but I just finally read this, and it's amazing, and I feel like you must be someone I could." ask about, it. and basically she's, long story short, she's going through what I think a lot of folks are calling a season of deconstruction, right? Where she's sure, re-exploring sure. a lot of the question. And she said to me that most of the Christians that she knows get annoyed with her questions, mm-hmm. but she felt like having read the book that I would be a person that she could talk to. So we did a little double date, went out and got some pho and <laughs> talked for two hours and are just barely getting started, you know, at talking mm-hmm. about yeah. all of the intricacies of how she is evolving in her faith and she kept apologizing and my wife was finally like you don't understand like he lives for this kind of conversation like (laughs) you you could not possibly annoy him with this kind of stuff you know um and i've had that that experience over and over and over where i think because of the way i engage scripture and because of the way i try to um explore some of the spaces that i think scripture opens up for us um, while also never just being like, Oh yeah, we don't have to believe that silly dusty old book. Uh, mm-hmm. it, it has, it has meant that a lot of the people who have read it have, uh, just said, not only said some really kind things to me. Cause like, w- whatever, I don't need my ego stroked, but like, I think genuinely have, uh, expressed to me that their faith has, ha- they found a new facet to their faith or some new freedom in their faith that right. that they didn't have before they read the book. And so that's obviously always, that's why I write it, right? I don't sure yeah. that that's that's the point, is to is to is to grow the kingdom, you know. And so yeah. that I feel like mm-hmm. that's that was what was happening there.
1: So mm-hmm. no, that's I I think it's so wonderful. I will I will say this. So we 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 gushed extensively and sincerely You did, yes, that's you, true. And 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 we've and we meant every word. We we still do. Like I have I have revisited your book once. So I've I've read it twice, cover to cover. And one of the things that I love about it, because I don't do this as much as I did in in, in high school and college. I would read, you know, I, I say this this funny anecdote lovingly, but my grandfather would constantly walk in when I was hanging out with him and be like, is that a spiritual book you're reading? And of course, most of the time it was Stephen King. But it's right. it like, you know, like, <laughs> is that a spiritual so like, book? Maybe, yeah.
2: grandpa? Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. It's, maybe like, right? it's like, well,
1: Papa Depends said, now. let's which one. about that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so, but, um, but I, you know, I read a lot and i began to to bemoan i'm not i'm not i'm building up to a compliment to you but i just want to say like like i began to bemoan how much similarity there was in thought and concept and everything i was just like i would read all these different things and maybe i would like the title or maybe i would like the approach or whatever i would get about 2 chapters in and i would kind of bemoan to my friends of like i have read this all before this is I'm not saying I don't need to hear it again. I'm not saying it's not valuable and rich and, and and worthwhile. But I've just I've read this all before. So now you know I I thought I was intrigued. I'm not intrigued anymore because this is just repetition. My compliment to you is yours is on a very small shelf that by my populace is maybe at most twenty books that I've encountered that I was like this is genuinely different. There is not another book out there like this. It is encouraging. It is challenging. It is easy to read. It is fun to read. And 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 it definitely, I just want to affirm, like, does something a little different that you're not that I've never found anywhere else. So again, applause. I we really love your book. And and speaking as somebody who is still a voracious reader, but used to read just a lot of the same kind of stuff, it's one of those things where I felt like, man, I found the treasure hidden in a field. Like, dude, no, no, no. You gotta check, you gotta check this book out because this book is just again, just I just got in the mood for different at a certain point, and 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 different began to just really ignite my imagination in a lot of ways. So thank you again. It's well great thank book. you. That's incredibly well, kind. Just what's yeah.
3: wild about Reed's statement there, JR, is like I think maybe you know this, maybe we mentioned it before, but Reed and I have known each other for quite a while, uh, multiple decades at this point, and I don't get to Reed's place that much anymore. But last time I was there, this shelf he's talking about in terms of these 20 books is is real. I think there's some Bradbury on there and um, you will love to know that one of your fellow Texans, uh, your best life now is like right next to, you, wow. you know, it's like Bradbury, wow. <laughs> Forresteros, like those, oh, yeah, just, boom, those boom. are just like you signature just, texts in the oh, like, household.
2: There, there has been a, there's been a minor movement to make a, make that trifecta, the new, like Trinity, I think is what I sure. hear. <laughs> so yeah. Hey, yeah. you know. <laughs> Bring it on.
1: I love I love how I'm just like said goodbye to Jr. Like walked out the door and then now you pulled the axe from the stump and Nathan's just walking up behind me like where you at Reed huh yeah I'm coming at you coming at you with the axe
0: huh <laughs> oh
3: that's a great scene no Goodness thank gracious. you guys okay. seriously it's no it means a lot we we love of course it. you are course. you are in the fog firmament and anytime you want to come around let's do this um so about these movies uh, oh my god read. We have a typical rhythm of hot takes or first takes uh, that it writes and themes. Do you want to do first takes of both that it writes of both and then themes? Like what, how do I would you, like you want to
1: form, formulate this? So, so we didn't, we didn't pre-brief this, but I'll just right. say in real time right now, like, I don't know. I did, I did make distinct notes for didactic superficial elements of each film so that I could just keep my thoughts straight. But in the whole, how I feel about them, I can't separate them easily. So even trying to talk about my feelings about one or the other, they're going to bleed over top of each other. So I would say as we enter in, let's just likes, dislikes, first takes, hot takes about both. That ain't rights about both. And then okay. themes about the whole package. If, if if you both are good with that, let's let's do it that way. Okay, cool. Can um, I start? Yeah. Am I allowed to Please? do that? Yeah,
3: yeah. yeah I know we've sure. got a guest, but
1: Okay. So, We're going to make JR family, so then you, you can feel the freedom to, to not have yeah, to start. I'm just or, burp know, and yeah. fart and stuff. Um, <clears throat> so I, I
3: watched X because it was in the air, right? And mm-hmm. I'll, I'll kind of own that I didn't totally get it, and I was just really kind of grossed out by it. Um, <laughs> mainly just because by the end of it, you're like, oh, my gosh, this is just <laughs> rough after rough. Mm -hmm. and man, I'm going to resist a lot of innuendo jokes here. Um,
2: The movie didn't. So we appreciate it. No, it
3: did not. It did not. So (laughs) uh, maybe I won't just give it time. I got to, I got to get worn down a little bit here. Um, Well then, so, so kind of had that in, in, in brain was okay. Watched X appreciated, but didn't know exactly how to feel about it per se. And then um, back in October, uh went to actually in uh, Tulsa there's a little it's called the circle something theater a uh, little art house theater mm-hmm. Uh went to see Pearl just happened to be playing and I don't know that I've had quite so exuberant a response on a first go around to a movie <laughs> as I did with Pearl like really that because and and rewatching it this time, I was paying a little more attention to this, and so I'll I'll also cut to the chase. Rewatch both of them for this, found a a a much greater esteem for X in a way that I didn't actually anticipate. But I was like, okay, okay, I I still personally love Pearl. Uh, I I also really like X and and can see its value, see what it's doing in in relationship to them. But Pearl is one of those rare movies for me where. It's just got such a theatricality. It's got such a, a a kind of zaniness, but a controlled zaniness, an intentional gonzo quality to it. That by the end in that credit scene, it's like my heart couldn't get bigger towards this effed up weirdo. Right. I'm like, oh, my God, I love this. And Talk I about can't empathy tell for the anybody but the fear of God. Right. <laughs> what would you say, Reed? <laughs> I said, talk about empathy for the devil. I yeah, submit to no you, kidding. Pearl. <laughs>
0: yeah.
3: Um, it's one of those movies, and this is a bit of a flash uh, a fast forward to recommendation. It's one of those movies like I want to tell everybody to watch, but I know I can't. You know, it's like you can't really you get you gotta have a particular, you know, kind of wavelength for this, but it is so Pearl is exceptional at what it does. And and I I'm just kind of awestruck by it, even rewatching. I'm like, damn, gummit, this is just an incredible movie. So those are kind of my hot takes, and and I, I think the main reason I want to go first was just the aspect of X. How initially I was unsure about it, and again, I still think my my favorite is Pearl. But but rewatching X this time, I, I, it really put me in a new appreciation for it as pretty significant work uh so yes jr you you go next uh, Nathan, i'm curious yeah. so
2: obviously the first time you watched x first and then pearl because that yep. was the release order when you did the rewatch did you watch same. them in the same order yes mm-hmm. okay so i flipped it this time Interesting. I, did um, I did too because pearl, pearl is a prequel right and mm-hmm. i'm do do didn't even ass- think about it honestly do we assume the listeners know like the story of how pearl came to be it'll be oh do you no no but the meta commentary life. of the film
1: no, no, like the literally, like how it became a movie. Uh No, I do not even know that information. So oh, I'm I'm okay. going to in, I'm going to invite it. Yes, go, okay. Listeners, so take a seat.
2: Ty West and Mia Goth were working on the character uh, that she plays, uh, Maxine in Maxine, X, right. and they were working on a backstory for her. Uh And so they were, or not sorry, not Maxine. They were working on a backstory for Pearl, the old okay. Pearl that is right. in, in X. And so they're they're literally building out the story that is the movie Pearl, right? Why she's this way, what she means by all the things she says to Maxine and and X, what her relationship to Howard is and why all of this kind of stuff, because Mia Goth plays both characters, right? right? Mm -hmm. And then Ty West got COVID and they had to shut down production for two weeks. Hmm. And so he wrote he and, he and Mia Goth, I guess over Zoom or whatever, just wrote Pearl right. wow. while the movie was shut down. Wow. And so he convinced A24 because they were already on set. They mm-hmm. already had the location. They already had everything there to just let him film both movies all at once. So they literally wrapped on X and then turned right around. I think took like a week break and shot Pearl based on the story that he and Mia got so if you, i don't know if you noticed Reed but like the pearl is co-written by Ty yeah. West and Mia got. did
1: see that yeah, yeah. i did see so, that and i i wondered exactly what so you've you've connected a lot of dots for me because she she owns that character i'm going uh, to if i don't if i go too much further down that road i'm going to share my thoughts but um she owns that character with such a full-throated commitment i mean she Honestly, I'd seen her in other things before. I'd seen most of what she's done, I think. Like, you know, like I've seen High Life. I've seen. Um, actually, I, uh, there's uh, there's a couple of missing pieces because I haven't seen like Lars Ventrier's pair of films that he'd made, Nymphomaniac. But I, but um, I, she had hit my radar before, but I'm paying attention now. Like, Mia Goth is like, she absolutely with this pair of films uh, has, has just hit the top of my radar. But I feel like I stole your. Thoughts about the film thing. So Genuinely tell us more about your experience. In there. Um, so it was interesting. You know, I watched
2: X. Obviously, X wants you to be thinking about Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Um yes. or, like the whole whole the whole aesthetic, uh, the setting, everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I'm sure we're gonna talk in more specifics about the way it plays with the the slasher genre. Yes. Um, Pearl wants you to be thinking about Wizard of Oz. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like it's with from from uh from Pearl being a Dorothy character to the scarecrow to you know all yeah. kinds of stuff. Yeah. Uh and then again does some really interesting inversion there where all Dorothy wants to do is go home and all Pearl wants to do is leave home, right? So there's yeah. uh, there's just and, and I think the first time watching both films, I was like, it was, I was too busy experiencing the film to mm. really like hang out with, yeah, but what do you, what do you mean by pinging Texas Chainsaw? What do you mean by pinging mm. Wizard of Oz? Right. Yeah, um, yeah. so the second time through, you know, I, I, I saw both films, really enjoyed both films quite a lot. Um, I decided to watch them in chronological order, not in release order. And I was, uh, so so it really meant that I, by the time I finished X, like it was, it had been the longest also since I had seen it the first time. So Mm -hmm. it was so interesting to see how much of X they reproduced in Pearl Mm -hmm. uh, lines of dialogue, themes, stuff like that in ways that, Yeah, 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 yeah. In ways that didn't feel um, hacky or Mm ham-fisted that that really felt uh, just like a really an incredible commentary on the themes that both movies are talking about. Um, And then there is going to be a third one. When I saw when I saw Pearl theatrically, there was a post credits like sort of teaser for Maxine, Maxine. Max, 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 scene, right, right. so yeah, I, I'm very interested to see what, you know, 1980s kind of Hollywood, but I think they're the kind of movie that can only exist in this like deep horror revival where you can do something that is art house by way of grindhouse. Mm,
1: I you know? love the way you put that. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because <laughs>
2: these movies are so schlocky and so <laughs> yeah. grindhousey, mm-hmm. but they're so art housey. You know, yeah. so yeah. there's so much going on in these movies. And, and yeah, everything both of you have already said about uh, Mia Goth is incredible. The whole cast is great, but she really is the anchor point of particularly Pearl. But I think when you go back and when 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 I finally realized she was the final girl and not uh, mm. uh, Lorraine. Mm. Jenna Ortega's character, right? It like reframed yeah. the whole movie for me. And I was like, whoa, okay, whoa, then we're doing something different. Here. All right. Yeah, yeah, so, because, anyway. they,
1: because it it is this broad commentary on the final girl uh, concept, just just writ large. Um, I, but, but carrying off of that, like I don't believe when I saw X the first time that I appreciated how intelligent it was. Because when I first saw it, lots of people were talking about it and and I enjoyed it. I, I liked it, um, but it didn't blow me away, and I was kind of hoping it would or expecting it to. And so I was just kind of thinking, like, okay, yeah, I mean, like, I liked X. Sure, X is well made. I liked Ty West. I, I, you know, I've seen Ty West's films. I think he's a good filmmaker. I liked these, and and definitely had a lot of moments that I was like, yeah, that was effective. That was that was pretty gnarly. But you referenced something that it's, it's funny. I don't think this has ever come up, Nathan, in in our conversations about it, but. I did feel that first viewing like, oh, so this is basically like the cousin to Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And that's what that's what it's kind of trying to evoke, Right. It just wants to be Texas Chainsaw Massacre's cousin. Well, then uh, in that referenced um, theatrical experience that Nathan had, uh, I was in transit to that group of people when when he went to see Pearl, me and another buddy of ours, Ian, were on our way to join the same group of people for a hangout weekend. Um, and so when I got there, like they were just like, oh yeah, we went to see Pearl. You got to go see it. Like, and and I was like, oh, okay. All right. Sure. So then when I finally got the opportunity to see it, I was, uh, pretty floored by Pearl like from go, I was, (laughs) this is going to be a silly thing, but listeners know it by now. I don't know why I can't pinpoint the reason it is just an aesthetic preference that I have. I love a colorful movie but not just like 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 an intentionally colorful movie like if you're playing around with these really vibrant shots uh with these you know like like pearl has with these deep reds and the blues of the sky are really in contrast to it every frame of pearl is very vibrantly colored as opposed to X, where everything's a lot more muted and it's a little bit more homogenous in this kind of beige. Everything has a, a kind of a beige to brown hue over it all versus Pearl. So I was already aesthetically really taken to Pearl. Like I I can't believe this. The more that monologue went on, we're gonna get into all of this, but the more that monologue went on, the final over the credits shot and everything, I was just I was pretty stunned by it and it reframed my feelings on X to the degree I was like, okay, these came out the same year. They are a part of the same creative stream. So I need to give X another opportunity. I think Nathan, I might've even said on the show at one point that like Pearl made me eager to revisit both of these films this time around. I did watch them in narrative order. So I started with Pearl was worried that if I started with Pearl, I would not like X as much. Thankfully, that did not happen. I enjoyed X a lot, so uh, so yeah. I just I, I found X invigorating this time around. I thought it was so thoughtful and I thought it was so and maybe thoughtful is not quite the right word as intelligent like it was so much sharper and knew so much more what it was trying to do than I gave it credit for in my first viewing Um, and I think I was positioned to receive that more from it because of my feelings on Pearl Um, but there were so many things that I just wasn't on the wavelength for the first time around about the ways it's playing around with gender dynamics and the way it's playing around with cultural understandings of uh, freedoms and and the way it's playing around with age and how desire changes over time, not just in physical appearance, but just like desire changes over time and the ways that it doesn't change over time. So there's lots of there's lots of really really interesting things going on about it. But but it wasn't just that my affection for Pearl elevated X. I think my affection for Pearl positioned me to finally learn how to watch X, where I was like, okay, now I now I know how to watch this movie. So that's my that's my takes and assessment on on x and pearl Hmm. Hmm. let's get didactic and then we'll Hmm.
3: we'll jump in the lake with the gator uh it is now (laughs) time for the part of the show where we discuss things that of these two movies aren't just wrong but of which might be said that
0: ain't right
1: sure as hell ain't right
3: so i would say i would say at least let's do two rounds since there's two movies we can feel sure. free to honorable mention as we go uh, i'm going to honorable mention on the front this would not top either of my list but i just love a good play on words and at the top of x there is what i call the vehicular hamu side which is the <laughs> wow the cow guts on the road you are fired
1: from the podcast <laughs>
3: <laughs> no sir i just got a promotion
0: <laughs>
3: um you mean, uh, i want I want you to start either movie what what would like this is it of 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 be it gory gross unsettling disturbing or meta you know a- exceptional what what would top your list for that ain't right how would you answer that question uh
2: i'm gonna start with x um i mean there. It's hard to choose like a glorious moment or a best sure. kill or any of that. Yeah. But I would honestly say the time when I was the most deeply unsettled was actually when Pearl crawls into bed with Maxine yes. mm-hmm. and is uh, you know caressing her and cuddling her. That is it's, the winner. It's so <laughs> gentle and tender uh, that it it belies how absolutely horrific it is. You know. Um, And I remember, uh, uh, that's one of the moments I vividly remember in the theater, you could feel the whole audience like cringing and folding in half because they were so uncomfortable, you know? (laughs) What a great, that ain't right imagery.
3: The audience folded in half in Repulsion. Yes.
1: (laughs) Oh, man. And Um, not for nothing. That was JR, I don't know if you know this because it's only our second year doing it. So Oscars don't tend to honor horror. So we do here with the Foggy Awards and uh, the second annual as of this recording. We don't know if it won or not, but it that moment you just described was a nominee for the That Ain't Right Foggy uh, from all of horror last year. It was like a a, a chief top moment uh, among all of them.
2: I mean, it's hard to beat for me last year, uh, Justin Long being breastfed um but that was on there too I mean, was yeah, but yeah I wouldn't fight someone that chose this one as cringier so for sure yeah
1: no absolutely absolutely um Nathan you want to go next or you want me to <laughs>
2: <laughs> sorry um, I took y'all's no 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 you were around. handed There's that you were gifted yeah.
3: it was it was lovingly wrapped and and just <laughs> you just caressed it and opened that gift um wow. Speaking of opening gifts, I think for me of eggs, the second to the one you described AR is how I in my notes termed when Pearl and Pops pop
1: the Pearl. <laughs> <laughs> Which good for them, right? <laughs> <laughs> go go get some. <laughs> like...
2: <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> oh, I-, I do yeah, love some alliteration. Set, right? with with Maxine uh right under that bed oh Oh, absolutely absolutely I'd even forgot
0: (laughs) Um.
2: (laughs) he's
1: like I'm Uh, gonna need a minute (laughs) oh (laughs) he has cringed and folded in half before us
3: (laughs) oh man um yeah, I'm gonna, mm-hmm. I'm going to name that one and I'm going to make a note to discuss a thematic idea here, but no. I don't want to muddy the waters here with our Okay, our All right. No uh, problem. go read on a Okay, right?
1: For All right. So so I'll go I'll go for the visual one that is less conceptual than both of what you've named, but but you know, is is probably if you were just going purely on visuals without concept, this is the other one and that is um RJ's Fate and I am going to um m- m- marry not only his kill moment which has its own sort of artfulness to it like you were talking about jr where it's just like man like she she takes him out with a couple of well executed stabs to the throat but then the whole sheen of the image goes red and she's incredible round through it Ooh, it's It's a wild scene wild and then of course we get lorraine jenna ortega's character finding him uh strung up in the in the basement area that is just like i'm gonna i'm gonna
3: ring the bell on you that is a horrific moment but that's not rj oh
1: is that watching that's
3: wayne right oh is that Mm -hmm. wayne uh you you might be right there yes actually because because he's got a beard no he's probably just Grizzled and bloodied because i could have swung up jenna ortega disco- uh, rj's body never leaves where she leaves it um because she discovers it uh once she flees or someone discovers it maybe maxine um oh. and
2: uh how i made the same mistake right uh read oh, oh but, okay but okay. i think nathan what you're about sarah jenna ortega when she's in the basement is like calling out for rj after yes. she finds that body
3: that and okay uh howard out at the lake references the bohemian boy or the bohemian like yes i'm the point is
1: Ah, i had the same thought and i
3: paid intentional attention to it to to discern was i correct or not
1: interesting okay no yeah so so yeah i mean bell bell well rung because i just i totally thought that was rj because um now, what I will go to the mat for, though, clearly I'm incorrect about it being RJ, is I connected the beard. I'm fairly certain the guy strung up has a beard. And so that was why I also... But you were right. I'm now remembering in real time, they stumble upon his body right where right where he was taken out. So yeah, it, it absolutely couldn't have been him, but... Uh, but uh, what I did was I just married those two things together, uh, unintentionally, but yes, those are the, in my mind, they were of a piece, but take so, either one of them. And that ain't right.
3: <laughs> I knew I had this note. So Howard, it's not Wayne either. Howard out of the lake says it's the last bohemian that stayed here.
0: Oh, uh,
3: so it is a previous sort of tenant. They had okay. their way with. Yeah.
2: Wow. So they leave way um, in the barn. Okay. That's, yeah, that's yeah, an yeah. interesting. Yeah. I would his undies.
1: I did miss that. Good catch wow nice yes i'm going to applaud your your acumen there uh but that's that's my that ain't right is that that um do we want to go around on pearl real quick and then we can do some honorable mentions so Uh, jr uh, do the honors again on pearl i will
2: say again this is not gory yet but the moment in pearl where i was the most deeply uncomfortable was in the barn with uh the projectionist oh man when (laughs) when she oh, says man. we don't have a dog and he uh, turns on her and then she calls him out on it. And you're just like watching him realize <laughs> that she's not like, she's not all right. And there's yes. something deeply wrong. And so then oh, he yeah. does what he should do, right. Is he walks, you've got that great tracking shot where the camera follows him and then swings around the car and oh she's not there. So he's fine. And you know, and then he's not fine. Um, <laughs> But but it's specifically that moment in the bar, again, so much dread, so much anxiety, so much mm-hmm. fear, right? Where mm-hmm. you're like, oh, 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 no. Oh, no, no, yeah. no, no.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. It's going wrong. And that movie specifically, I, I'm just piggy, just yes, ending those moments. like That movie specifically gave me so much anxiety, not only for that one, but also when uh, Mitzi hears her mm-hmm. monologue later about like, and what I'm sitting here thinking in my head is like, what? in the ever-loving world would I do if I found myself in a moment like that and realizing that I would not know what to do and that I do, would not necessarily know how to avoid the fates that both of those people have? I was like, ah, uh, that's scary. And
2: Mitzi does, I think, what we all think we should think we would do, which is hmm. just play, don't don't be like, ow! You know, but no, just say like, <laughs> right. oh, yeah, of course we're not going to tell anyone. and Oh, no, this is fine. And then Get out of there as quick as possible. right? Like she, 100%. she does that, and mm-hmm. it doesn't matter. So <laughs> just, nope, okay, well, nope, here's a question doomed. that
3: maybe, uh, despite my uh, intuition on RJ's fate uh, and and body's location, maybe I'm naive here, but I actually wrote on the question: Is Mitzi telling the truth about the part? Did she get the part? She did not get the part. I don't think so. Yeah, no, I, I don't think, think she so got either. Yeah, I yeah. just the way I read that moment is she is now in survival mode and is, yes. let me just tell you whatever I think you want to hear from me right now. Yeah. yeah, and, yeah, yeah. On, and, and
2: for Maxine, she is just, she's the privileged blonde that they said that they Pearl. wanted. Yep. So in her yep. mind, she got the part.
1: Yeah. Sorry. So Pearl. thank you. Yeah. Yeah. So naturally she would have gotten the part. And mm-hmm. honestly, that, that turn scripting wise is so brilliant because there is no right answer. She says, don't lie to me. And it's like, okay, like I'm 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 in my brain as I'm watching the movie. I'm I'm trying to put myself in the shoes of Mitzi. Like, like I, I don't know what to say either. I don't know what to say because like if you say if you continue to insist you didn't get the part, you're gonna be viewed as a liar and that could escalate. If you say you got it, you're suddenly gonna become the face of all of the disappointments and loss and everything else. And it was just it's a it's brilliant like, moment.
3: It's like Schrodinger's cat, you know.
1: I mean, yes. Yeah. Except, except in this example, it's axed both times. Yeah, <laughs> so Both cats are that's, dead. That's yeah, fair. That's, that's fair. They're both dead. Um, um, yeah, go ahead, Nathan. You can, you can, you can go next for formal that. Okay. Right. I
3: mm, I'm torn. Um, okay. I'm going to go with an idea, a, a, a visual metaphor here. There's a scene. If we, if no one mentions it, I may come back to the scene, but to me this I, this visual metaphor may trump the individual scene that I want to name check here but the maggot pig and not just that it exists but that this 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 iconic this this emblem right of honestly a charity of of gifting a thing that becomes our means of telling time on a certain level yeah yeah but that just matures into this desiccated maggot ridden so so reed you mentioned the the vibrancy of the color palette like that that pig through lines us into hell right Mm, mm -hmm. that that matures into that inverted last supper right i mean that is incredible and nauseating and kind of powerful but horrific that is another texas chainsaw massacre call out if if i'm getting nerdy here that's right Um, right. so so yeah i I would i think it's all all it symbolizes go ahead jay
2: it uh it also i think i think the second time through i really saw it also as kind of pearls uh (laughs) the well okay I, I messaged Reed earlier to see if y'all Enneagram on here, because for me, mm-hmm. Pearl is Enneagram for the movie. Um, <laughs> I was actually sitting next to a friend of mine who is a four, and I we were at the Alamo Draft House. So I wrote that down and passed it to him during her big monologue. And he, oh he folded in half and cringed and was like, oh, like oh he no. felt so called out. <laughs> um but like you know the, the whole thing with the enneagram fours is they 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 have this something missing inside of them that can never be fulfilled and so they have to be special they have to be unique and all that kind yeah, of JR, stuff. yeah i'm a four okay you're so i'm assuming F when you, she said it seems like there's something missing in me the rest of the world has you just yeah. like shut the movie off and quit <laughs> and we're angry forever <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah um but it's like to me that the the pig represented that like her, almost like her ability to keep that like shadow self mm. at bay. Yeah. Um and how again it get it's 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 worse and worse and worse as she is decaying, but then ultimately it is taken from the porch and moved into the the table. Yeah. Right when she like surrenders any illusion yeah. of mm-hmm. pretending that she's ever going to leave, you know. Yeah. Um. So it was. It was that. I mean, not not discounting what you said. Just kind of like adding yeah. another layer to it that I saw as well. It, you know,
3: it makes itself at home.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Like, well, because
3: it's, outside. Of it. Right.
1: Yeah. And 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 as you deftly called out, uh, Jr. Like the Wizard of Oz reference is because she's now accepted that there's no place like home. Like yeah. now now she has decided like I'm just gonna move in. And so the thing that was kept outside uh, has now become the centerpiece. This yep. is. This is all that we have. And this is all that we're ever going to have. Um, Which
2: again, something I did not ping till my second watch through, but mm-hmm. she tells her mom, I promise you that I'm going to go to this. And then if I don't get it, I will come home and never leave. Oh, wow. Yeah.
1: Oh, wow. And I didn't even catch that this time around. Wow. I mean, wow. Yep. Yeah. That's what, that's yeah. what happens, right? She comes that's home exact- and never leaves. <laughs> yep, That is exactly what happens. Holy cow. Yeah. Well, speaking of mom. So, I'm torn between two that ain't rights that I was going to mention in, um, in Pearl. So, so I'm going to choose the one that is most that ain't rightness. Cause the other one, there's a bit of an absurd humor and, and it, it, it ain't right, but, but you know, we'll see, uh, we'll see if it comes up in conversation, but my, that ain't right is moms freak out during the rainstorm. Mm. The one where before Pearl, you know, sort of, Transacts vengeance, like mom is clearly not okay. Like she's also just completely letting all of her personalized interior wounds just lay all out there on the table. All of her disappointments with the invalid nature of her husband, uh, all of the things that she wished and wanted to do with her life, and what just everything is now out there. And then she begins to, in this odd way, try to kind of punish Earl, not only for what she's attempted, but for like having dreams and ambitions, uh, which is really fascinating when we think about how much X directly engages that same conversation about desires and uh, and ambitions and uh, whether or not we should be allowed to pursue a thing simply because we want it and all of those other kinds of things that I'm sure we'll get into. Um, so, but yeah, but moms freak out, uh, building up to Pearl freaking out right back. And then all of the tragedy and violent travesty that happens that, that emerges from that, but that whole scene, that whole scene is just, uh, is just, That's it's terrible. just, insane terrible, right? Yeah. It, it It's, it's pretty rough. Um, I had an honorable mention, but I'm going to defer to both of you. If you, ha- I have an honorable mention for each, but I'll, I'll, I'll yield and see if you guys do. Well, let's do a quick once more round. Okay. I'm good pick, with that. JR, pick, go and, JR, go ahead and go do, ahead and do one for each. Do one for X and do one for Pearl, and then we'll tie it off that way. Unless you only have one for one of them.
2: Uh you know, I again because I watched Pearl first this time, I thought the return of the pitchfork in X mm-hmm. took on a new layer. Mm. Because We know that that was like her. uh, If we are allowed to say, she has a signature weapon in Pearl. (laughs) Yes, yes. Uh It's that pitchfork, and so bringing it back to Dispatch Wayne was a fun. In the first movie, it's just the like you know when he's looking through the hole that somehow Mm -hmm. this is going to go terribly badly. (laughs) Yeah, and then and then again having when you rewatch Pearl when you watch Pearl first, you're like ah, it's 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 the pitchfork. Okay, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, The other one in Pearl that. Really, was just like, Whoa! uh that ain't right, was when she's making
1: out with that scarecrow. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, oh my God. The, yes. <laughs> yep. Oh, Lord Jesus. I'd be friends <laughs> with like,
3: the sparrows Mm-mm. and the girl who screws the scarecrows if I only <laughs> had a brain. Uh-uh.
2: Mm-mm. Um, Mm-mm. Again, she does, and, and uh, Mia Goth sells this, right? Like, you can tell, uh-huh. like, you can tell it's almost like Hulk and Avengers. That's my secret cap. I'm always angry for her. It's like, that's my secret. I'm always like half of a step removed from just completely detaching from reality. And you see that like the hot second she lets herself go, she's making out with a scarecrow, right? Like Mm -hmm. she crosses the line from what could be this sort of like innocent, fun, sort of like girl who never gets to cut loose, just finding some privacy to be herself unfettered. Mm -hmm into like, well, that ain't right. Come on, (laughs) y'all. Yeah. And then
1: then freaking, and then like in that, then she starts like blaming the scarecrow. Uh Yep. It's this this, this wonderfully weird, committed moment for a performer where all of those different layers progress. And I mean, a huge, huge applause for me to Ty West for giving Goth that runway. Like, because you know, like that could have been over edited to pieces. It could have been- you know, over-directed to pieces, but something about their connection, their conversation about how to craft this moment just, just nails a bullseye for that. Yeah, And
2: you take that all the way to her big monologue at the end, which you've already mentioned a couple of times and you Mm -hmm. see the same thing, right? Like, okay, she starts with something small and, and then she just can't stop. Like it just, it just keeps coming and coming and coming. And every time you think I mean, we know she's not done because she hasn't like gone to the big like I murdered everyone, but like right every yes, time yeah. every time Mitzi thinks she's maybe about it, she's like oh, oh okay, Pearl, well, you know, and then, oh, and then it's just, you know just she just can't quit, right? She can't stop till she's yeah. said it all. And that yeah. you see the seeds of that right at the beginning of the film, which again just terrific. A terrific, uh, terrific character information delivered in a way that just keeps you very, very kept me very unsettled. Oh, I love 100%. the
3: idea of now nothing would i there's like next to nothing i would change about the movie pearl but i love the idea of just the pearls monologue but all you see is mitzi the whole time uh-huh. She's just constantly kind of looking at her watch and she's about to interject and you know just just well, five minutes of that you know we've like, all been in just, that conversation right sure where, yeah someone's well, a talker that they, conversation yeah. but yes i know what you're saying <laughs> but yes
1: yeah but no absolutely where it's just Nathan, like, you got the part right Uh, but but, uh, but it's like that's that's the thing though is like finding the exit ramp like i'm like okay god where how do i find the exit ramp where i i I run into it all the time at work where like people are like people are this person might kill me and (laughs) i say the wrong thing i mean a stressful day but like (laughs) so but just like people are just constantly like unloading and then that weird place where suddenly we're not talking about that anymore like something shifted and i don't know where the line of demarcation was but somewhere along the line you felt comfortable enough to now we're not talking about in in what i'm referencing the work specifics or you know she's no longer talking about how she misses howard anymore now it's now it's all of this and and it just begins to tumble out where i'm suddenly like okay we're in a whole nother room now we're just in a completely different environment um Reed, will you do your honorable mentions? I'm gonna do mine because they're gonna pivot into a
3: thematic idea that I wanna. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, introduce. yeah, yeah, yeah nice. That's fair. Okay. So my honorable mention from uh from X um is the scene where um Pearl, old Pearl, is watching Maxine's mm. filmed mm-hmm. scene from the barn. First of all, the way that's shot and and the way it's like it creeps around the barn, looks through the window, puts us in the voyeuristic position, and then that interplay where pearl is watching maxine but then she's imagining that it's her doing yep. it and that and of course it works really really well because mia goth plays both characters but it's just that interplay i was just like oh crud <laughs> like that was that that's my honorable mention that ain't right for for uh x my honorable mention for pearl um would probably just be the commitment to that final axe scene that we talked, like Mitzi gets out the door, and when Mitzi gets out the door, they have this big long tracking shot. Like Pearl exits, and Mitzi herself, like she turns around, and you can see, even though it's not a close up, you can see Mitzi surveying, like what What am I supposed to do here? Do I do I break out in a run now? Do I, am I okay? What is she doing? But then, as Pearl gets closer to the axe in the stump. Then Mitzi's like, okay, okay. And then she starts running and yelling help. And meanwhile, right behind her, you can see Pearl just coming forward. It's a masterful shot. So I'm, I almost don't want to call it a that ain't right because I, I think it's so wonderfully constructed. But it still is just like that that inevitability of like, Mitzi, you ain't going anywhere. And then she stumbles on a pothole. She stumbles on a little pothole. It's like, oh, if you weren't done, you're yep. done now. Like, there it is. Like. It's uh it just just that's it. Put a fork in her. Oh wait, she did. <laughs> or put an axe this time. An
3: axe. So, well, but, yeah. uh, Reed, you mentioned on our uh the Batman episode about the what you felt were the very clear aping of other films. I think sure. what's so yeah. deft about these two is is some of that subtlety because here's here's the fun news you actually just named both of my honorable mentions which is totally cool but that's a very that's a that's a very uh no sincerely it was funny i was like oh okay cool uh there's five five extra minutes we don't need um uh that's a very jack torrance moment i'm like this is her channeling jack torrance you know with the axe and um but that's such a fantastic scene um i think if i throw any extras on it it's just what i called um in pearl the final cleanup uh as pearl brushes mom's hair hacks up mitzi and feeds it to the gator uh i mean it's just it's just terrible so tableau Mm. um uh, i'm I'm going to tag in on x but that has been the part of the show where we discuss things that aren't just wrong but which might be said (laughs) ain't right
1: that sure as hell ain't right
3: okay so your your mention of x here and and the reason i want to open up thematic conversation with this is i think there's bigger things that bridge both movies and this one is primarily isolated to x but it felt Mm -hmm. really worth mentioning um here's one of the reasons i really grew in my estimation of x the second time is jr you again you've always existed in the periphery of the show in the fog of the fog if you will and (coughs) a thing we talk about a lot is just what you effectively do in empathy for the devil, which is simply to say, um, I I have uh, uh, sympathy and empathy for people, especially people of faith, or especially people of squeamish sensibilities, just not wanting to to step into these waters. You know, like I don't mean X and Pearl specifically, but horror as a genre, I can respect that it is what it is, but I find that for stuff done well, uh, the value in pushing past that discomfort that unsettledness yields a lot of return and and this is what i think i found happening in x because the first time i watched it i'm like i don't know how i'm supposed to feel about this Mm -hmm. and it's now it's just really gross um something that actually and this is just wild to me and and impressive and uh sort of telling of the genre of us as viewers—you read, you use the word voyeur, uh, voyeurship. Um, X to me is this really fascinating mirror, because if you describe this story to someone, "Hey, seventies, bunch of dumb, pretty, sexy kids get together to make a sex movie out of a farm, and then everything goes sideways," like, "Oh, okay, well, that's interesting." But if you really tell this movie, A truer form of what is happening here is, you know, on its surface, it's about a bunch of sexy people making a a sex movie, but it's really about our fear of our own bodies. Mm. Because this time around, I was like, oh my God, this is a very smart movie. If I'm not overreading and I don't think I am like, moments and the reason i wanted the honorable mention or i i I didn't care that you took it but the reason i was going to use that as an honorable mention is that scene is perfectly evocative of what i'm trying to say but it but it happens multiple times over the course of the movie like oh look at the sexy people having sex now look at the unsexy people having sex Mm -hmm. why are you so offended
0: Mm -hmm.
3: look at this sexy person having sex now look at this old woman seeing herself in this Mm -hmm. are you grossed out what's wrong with you Right? This is the questions this movie is after, which is, hey, aren't you titillated? Check this out. Oh god. You're repulsed? Okay, well what how let's talk about that, right? This movie is the let's talk about sex baby movie, right? <laughs> and and I and I don't, I, I jokingly delivered that, but like I mean very serious, like this movie is about ageism, you mm-hmm. know? Uh uh like we can be repulsed by old lady Pearl all we want, but and of course the movie dabbles in you know mental illness about her and that kind of thing and that that's just part of the the ingredients baked into the narrative but it's more about saying you know how do we what do we think of this and are do we permit do we think is is sex only beautiful for beautiful people
0: mm.
3: are naked bodies only sacred if they're flawless mm. like these are really fascinating and interesting questions that i actually think the movie not in a faith oriented way, like we might bring to it, but in a like conscious way, it is after that it is taking titillation and saying, Oh yeah.
2: Yeah. I mean, look at, look at RJ, right? Mm -hmm. He's Mm -hmm. so proud of himself for how he's making this real movie, even though it's porn until his girlfriend wants to be in it. Yeah. Then it's a, then it's a completely (laughs) different story. All of a sudden,
0: (laughs) Mm -hmm.
3: Yeah, really? and and I mean, you could say he's kind of the mouthpiece of what I think the movie is trying to do overall. It's like, hey, you know, don't you like this pretty person? Oh, what about this person? You know, I, I don't know. I just find it really fascinating. Mm-hmm. And and this is a, a parallel track, but actually how I termed it was an inversion of body horror. And mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. styling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, You know, traditionally, it's about, isn't it gross what can be done to the body? This is like, the body itself is being yeah. used as, as a horror totem. Yeah. Anyway. So I, I don't have a ton to, to build off of that other than it just really fascinated me And you can see why I said to me, that idea doesn't bridge both, doesn't bridge both films, but
2: uh, um, just, I think it does. If you back it out a little bit, Okay. because we we'll back I that think, thing up for us, JR. And uh, well, <laughs> I mean, let's, let's talk about the fact that pornography is uh, no, important right. in both films. That's right. Yes. I was forgetting right? the, Yep. Um and, and and again given given the tease we got for Maxine with three Xs sure. we're we're yeah. assuming that the third film is going to go from like Gonna be the, the origins of pornography as like uh illegal secret right. movies made in France mm-hmm. to then we get you know indie porn which mm-hmm. um I, there was some jab about fr- uh, France I'm trying to see if I wrote it down early in the film oh yeah he's uh, he wants to do an avant-garde like he's imitating french films <laughs> you know, um right. Yeah, that's RJ again, the projectionist or the uh the editor. Yep. And then yeah, we're gonna see what's gonna happen with Maxine, right? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. but in in Pearl, the projectionist says that what they're watching is real. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he says he wants to see Pearl on the screen doing yeah. maybe that kind of movie, right? Mm-hmm. And, and you even have Pearl again, it's that, it's that, it's an inversion of the Wizard of Oz, right? She can't wait to get away from home. And I, I noticed that early in the film, she drops these two lines in proximity to each other. They're a couple of scenes apart. Uh, almost first thing she says, one day you'll never see me again. Mm-hmm. And then she says, one day the whole world's going to know my name. So I think, I think the fact that like, if, if I'm never going to see you again, but the whole world's going to know your name, that must mean I'm not part of the world. Oh,
1: wow. Right? Wow. Like that yeah. wherever she yeah, yeah, yeah. is,
2: is this place that is not the world. Mm. Uh, mm. And so she wants to escape and and go to the real world and join whatever, you know, whatever out there is, which again, if you look at the Wizard of Oz thing, it's like the complete inversion because Oz was the fantasy realm that right, she was right. taken to and she wants to get back to the real world. Right, um, right. And so then you have all this talk about how this, you know, this uh, sex movie, this, what, I don't remember what they, what he specifically called the, it wasn't pornography yet. Right. But whatever he called it.
1: Yeah. Um, uh, Stag films.
2: Yeah. uh, yeah, It's, it's real. Uh, Mm -hmm. And then again, I think it's interesting that when he does see the real Maxine or sorry, the real Pearl, Mm -hmm. (laughs) he doesn't want it anymore. Right. Like that's that scene Mm -hmm. in the barn that I referenced earlier.
1: Yeah, Um, absolutely. Yeah.
2: So then you, then you take that all into X and yeah, again, what are they doing? They're specifically making a movie that they all agree is not real. <laughs> uh, and then to your point, Nathan, um, the the only <clears throat> real sex, and I guess I'll say by real sex, what I mean is sex that's True. not filmed for, yeah. a, for a porn, is uh, a really old couple in the days before Viagra who finally managed to be together in a way that they both want. Sure. Yeah, um, right. I found mm. myself horrified the first time. I actually found myself cheered for him a little bit the second time. i was like, <laughs> you, like, you go, Howard. Like, <laughs> yeah. And I think it's because he has that scene uh, before he before he kills uh, the the marine, uh, the, yeah. the the star. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, where he he expresses how angry he is at himself and how frustrated he is with himself and his aging that he yeah. can't please her anymore. And we hear it's about his heart and you know, yeah. all this, all this kind of stuff. Um, yeah. So it, like, it's a, it was a weird, <laughs> it's a weird thing for me to be like, no, they're like straight up murdering all these people. And then again, having seen Pearl now, I know even more like how complicit he's been yeah. for years. Sure. Uh, you know, um, and again, to your call out of the bohemian in the basement um, mm-hmm. that, that, was that a roll doll book? Um, anyway, uh, <laughs> it sure sounds like it should be. <laughs> um, yeah, all of this is about like this is what's real, right? And and there is something sweet about the fact that when he saw the real Maxine, he still res- or the real Pearl gosh, I'm going to do that for yeah. the rest of the episode. Yeah. It's um, easy to do. Yeah. He yeah. responded with genuine affection. And and that, that little speech he gives her towards the end of X, where he says, you know, I've loved you ever since the first moment I saw you and all of that. Mm-hmm. Like it, it does feel earnest and sweet and real in a way that I think she needs. Mm-hmm. If I'm right about typing her as a four, right. Someone who sees mm-hmm. the full, her, the real, her, the depths of yeah. her and all of her pig maggot, dead parent, all of sure. it, or, you know, all of that. Mm-hmm. Right. And, mm-hmm. and is somehow able to say, um, I love you and we're going to make it through this and I'm going to mm-hmm. do everything I can to manage this, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so there, I don't know, there's something I think about what, <laughs> whoa, I can't believe I'm saying this, but like what real love and marriages that go the distance look like, you know, the, the, yeah. the, the, mm-hmm. the, what I'm saying if I have a point, is that the the family that slays together stays together. That's so. it.
1: That's, yes, you know, that's, you put that on a bumper sticker and, and like, that's, that, that, that's where it is. But oh. you know, you're like, you're right. There's a, so the first time through my repulsion was rooted in what I thought that was what the film wanted me to see. Right. What was fascinating is that this time effortlessly, much like what you described, JR, like I saw a tenderness between them that did not register me for me the first time where I was like, wait a second, this is not framed filmed or performed in a way that is meant to automatically ignite revulsion, like in a reverse male gaze where they'd be very exploitative with the shots or anything like they're, they're actually, I, I feel for what they are showing, they are remarkably restrained, like to a degree to where it's not, meant to be because i've seen films that are trying to be like kind of i think you said this nathan like the reverse body horror thing like i've seen body horror films where they are trying to be like yeah we're just gonna slow motion crawl on the pustule or whatever it is and we're just gonna make all that you know like be all up in your face and this isn't that this is not what that's doing so so it challenges us i like your term mirror nathan like it challenges us to think about like wait a second there's a you know, there, there's a genuine connection here and their problem is their dehumanizing of the entirety of, of everything around them. They found each other and what is between them to your point, JR is substantive and real, or or it, ha- it has some meat on it, but yeah, go ahead. What were you, what were you thinking? I mean, out of
2: Pearl. So I, you know, I watched them back to back. I was really struck this time by the fact that like the first kind of big shot we get in X is not the first scene, but the first big shot we get is when they're leaving the strip club. And, it mm. you know, you see, you see this mural on the outside of the strip club. So it's like, right. Buy you babes or, or whatever. Right. Sure, yeah, yeah, You got the yeah. gator there for your nice foreshadowing. But then when it zooms out, you're in this like industrial part of Houston and it's all like smoke stacks and just like industrial park yeah. and all of that. And again, it was like, yeah, we're, we're creating this, false reality inside this little Mm. space which is exactly what a a porn a porn movie does right Uh, arguably what any movie does you know it creates this false space uh inside of this that like everyone knows and agrees to pretend along right Mm -hmm. and and (laughs) you can argue that uh howard and pearl are the only real relationship that we see
1: in the whole movie (laughs) Yeah, I don't think I wouldn't. Well, I wouldn't fight that. It's I funny you say that, that,
3: Jar, because when you get well, look at me. I was about to walk into an idiot moment here. I was about to be like, "You should hear our conversation with Brandon Grapheus Ha ha ha!
0: Uh, <laughs> so
3: when Brandon was on, um, he was talking about, and you made reference to this earlier about the slasher aspect of X. He was building a case or pointing out, in terms of the form of the slasher genre. That there's a case to be made that the slasher character is the protagonist of sure. their stories, and and yeah, so yeah. it just kind of uh, shores up a little bit of what you're describing, which is, you know, in X, Pearl and Howard are kind of like, hey, you showed up here,
2: you know. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, he did tell yeah. him not to leave the not to leave the house. I'm just saying. Yeah.
1: he did. No, he really did. Well, and he what's interesting? A few very strict rules yeah well and what's interesting well maybe maybe it's it's not broader or or like the the film's morality it's it's playing around with questions about morality so so uh brandon's book which i know you've read and loved jr uh, uh talks about like the the response to reagan era moralism that exists in slashers and and so that's kind of percolating in my imagination, having recently read it. That you know, when I'm rewatching X this time, and they're having that conversation about uh, when they're just you know the 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 wind down evening conversation where they're all drinking and talking and whatever, and they're talking about kind of the moralism of what they do and what they're trying to do, and the way people can't look away. Um, I found that I found that really really interesting, and. I have a question and it's not meant to be a big evocative theme question, though. I mean, maybe it would lead us there, but the recurring broadcast that is happening on the TV. So it is clearly happening repeatedly in places where it probably should not and arguably could not have existed because it is picking up, moment after moment but sometimes hours and hours and hours have transpired so clearly that's not what's on the tv and i'm curious your thoughts on like what is that is that maxine's head because we know where it ends up it ends up that this black and white uh surprisingly well shot church service ends by revealing that maxine was the daughter (laughs) of this this uh you know evangelical fire and brimstone type preacher and uh, I'm curious your thoughts on like, why do we keep seeing that is, you know? Yeah. Why do we keep seeing that broad?
2: So the reli- I'll, I'll, I'll answer your question about X by talking about Pearl first. Sure. Sure. The religion in Pearl is Catholicism. Mm, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. One, you actually see a crucifix at the end of X in the truck and it's oh, explicitly yeah. a crucifix. That's but right. Two, the prayer that they pray, bless us o lord for these thy gifts that we are about to receive from thy bounty in christ through christ our lord amen. That's a, that's the traditional catholic dinner prayer. Got it. And I think uh what we see with pearl is someone who makes the shift from gratitude to entitlement.
0: Mm.
2: Bless mm. us o lord for these thy gifts that we are about to receive from thy bounty. That's meant to be something that you pray at every meal, in good harvests and in bad, in good times and in bad, right? And that's sort of like, um, you know, through thick and thin, you know, we are thanking God, we're being grateful. Right. What we see in Pearl is someone who feels like the world owes her something, right? She deserves to be a star. She deserves to get out of here. That's the yeah. best dancing I ever done. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, so she is sort of taking this like sort of folk application of religion and stripping out any connection to God from it. And they're just running with the implications, which is like, I deserve to have all of this stuff, right? This is just, this should be mine. Mm -hmm. I think you see the same thing happening with Maxine because at the end, when you learn that she is who she is, she says, to Pearl and it's intercut with her dad saying it, I refuse to accept a life I don't deserve. That's right. Which is prosperity preaching, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, Yes. That's that name it and claim it. You name the things Mm -hmm. that God will give you and you get them. And I refuse to accept a life I do not deserve. Right. And essentially Maxine is doing the same thing, right? She's going to be a star. She's going to get out of there. And so even though she is sort of strip mining this sort of this like a you know, 1960s, 1970s revivalist, fundamentalist evangelicalism. It's mm-hmm. it's the same thing that Pearl did, right? Which wow. is like yeah. taking these sort of promises that religion makes, or I would honestly say, actually, these ways of being religious that help us thrive in an unjust system mm-hmm. by assuring mm-hmm. us that of God's goodness and of God's presence with us and the Uh, the reliability of God's justice in the long run uh, and then turning them just into essentially like aphorisms that in that make us feel entitled to whatever we want, you know, sure. If I don't feel like I deserve this, then I don't have to put up with it.
1: Yeah. And that's, and that was part of the big thing that stuck out to me about X so succinctly. And well, you just described it as like this entitlement idea that because I desire the thing, I am owed the thing I, and, and, and desire justifies pursuit. So there's no, there's no real question about ramifications to any of these choices for these characters. This is just, no, I'm going to continue to pursue what I want. And it is life that will hold me back or whatever. Like what is, uh, uh Oh God, what's her name? Bobby Lynn, Brittany snow's character. So mm-hmm. what does Bobby Lynn say right towards the end? When, Pearl's given her the business right before she pushes her into the, uh, into the 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 lake or the river or whatever with the crocodile, but but she's like, it's not my fault you didn't get the life you wanted, you know, like that's not my fault. And there's this concept what I do find profoundly interesting. I talk a lot on the show. Well, Nathan and I together uh, introduced this. I think I introduced the concept, but the idea of like there's the worldview that the characters have, but then there's. The god of the fictional universe. There's the there's the uh, the narrative voice of the yep. overarching piece, and I think the characters uniformly in X and Pearl, the characters all believe that desire validates pursuit. I'm not convinced the god of that universe believes that or uh, or affirms that as a moral platform because of the way it treats those behaviors and actions. They are all sitting in places where they feel like. I have what I have. Like it was so interesting. Bobby Lynn says early in the film, she says, People pay a lot of money. The language was just stood out to me. People pay a lot of money to see what God gave me. You know, like there's this, there's this bit of an undercurrent to their thought processes that I want this thing. I've been given tools to obtain this thing. Of course, this is what I'm supposed to be. And that's, that's been fascinating to me stepping a little bit into the personal for 20 seconds but i've have known and had people be in my circles um, that would speak about god's interaction with them or or god's transmission to them of of what he desired for them and it was so glaringly rooted in personal desires like it yeah. was so gl- to the degree that we've had conversations where they would in real time begin to justify that God told them one thing at one point and told them a different thing at another point and then explain to them why all of the and and what where I sit now is I used to sit in a profound degree of I'll call it anger at that kind of thing and that that kind of language I think I've come to a more maybe forgiving maybe just gracious place on just like yeah that okay that's that that's a lot of you (laughs) like that's just that's a lot of you going on there um but i found it interesting in this film both of these films that that was a consistent through line that they justified their own pursuits of certain things because they desired those things and anything that stood in their way was either a profound injustice or it was something to be eliminated like i find it so interesting i'll I'll say this and then i'll shut up about that subject but like pearl says to him i'm you know i'm not gonna let you leave me here i'm getting out of this farm and then her immediate response is then to kill him like well you know you can't you're not gonna get him to take you out that way he can't go anywhere now <laughs> like you've just self-destroyed what you said you were doing as a means of like self-preservation but now you've destroyed that means um and i found that interplay profoundly fascinating because of the ways i've seen people redo it in real time
2: yeah 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 go ahead she does the same thing to rj yes right yeah she makes an advance on rj and again this is uh, in in the in the overarching story of x she has just tried to make an advance toward howard that he rebuffs right and so she is sexually frustrated she mm-hmm. goes down and makes a pass at RJ. He refuses. And so yeah. she kills him. Then she straddles him. And the way the camera backs up allows you to imagine that she is, you know, yeah, like performing sex on him. I mean, it's the, the positioning and everything, but then yeah. she's the one doing the penetrating, right? She's stabbing him over and over and over with a knife. Right. Right. So it's this right, very, right. W- which again, classic slasher lingo, right? That that's the whole mm-hmm. thing. Is the slasher slasher is a sexually frustrated person who then uses mm-hmm. a phallic thing to penetrate the. Vi- I mean, that's like you know, that's tech. Yeah. Right, uh, right, women, right. Right. Uh, men, that's women, and chainsaws. Carol J. Clover, like all you know, if you that's a great back, book.
1: <laughs> I love that book. Yes, <laughs> yeah, yes. If your
2: listeners somehow have not read that yet, you know, yeah, um, <laughs> it's a wonderful book. <laughs> but yeah, I just it, it's that kind of a thing, right? It's that almost like honestly you know what it reminds me of uh not to go all bible on you on this podcast but um <laughs> after after absalom rapes his sister-in-law or his yeah. uh, his sister and then and it then says he, uh he immediately abhorred her
1: he yeah hated he, he her. doesn't desire her anymore
2: and it's that yeah. yeah it's that it's the way that it's the way that flips so quick
1: yeah yeah it's oof. yeah nathan you were percolating on something I'm always percolating on something, brother. Um, that sounded uh, seductive. Just kidding. Hmm. <laughs> well,
0: <laughs> turn off the jokes. So, um, sorry.
3: That's all right. Uh, you know, it's interesting. I think there's just a lot at work in both of these, but you know, something that a, a phrase that keeps coming to me as as you know, listening to y'all interact with some of the the dichotomies the 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 polarities that are at work and this is is just this escape from i'm sorry this worship of escape and Ooh, yeah
2: mm, that's a great way to say it
3: mm-hmm. you know this this notion that if if x <laughs> then happiness then mm-hmm. satisfaction then fulfillment then you know appeasement then settledness and yeah. you know both of these films really illustrate just the the caustic and catastrophic effects of rabid pursuit of escapism as yeah. as people on a digitally mediated moment recording conversations about pop culture like we love our escapism and yeah you know i have to wrestle a lot and and i can't remember which of you was was leaning in this direction but but just this notion of uh maxine says it says versions of this several times but pearl sums it up really well this the, the, an idea that that exists over both of these films currently it's what a charmed life it must be to star in the movies mm. and just mm. this desire we all have to think my my best version of me is just beyond this cognitive and spiritual horizon right like Mm -hmm. if if this thing happens and and what it calls to mind for me is just this is a probably a bit of a paraphrase but it's 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 been a minute since i've thrown out a, a richard Rohrism, and he talks about like forgiving reality for being reality like you oh, just wow yeah reality is what it is and you exist inside of this thing and there's there are going to be impulses and temptations and pursuits and like all of those things exist yeah. and 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 play upon and prey upon you uh but aren't always inherently just wicked evil it's those indulgences like pearl's monologue indicates that we start to give give life to and and let take root in us that, that start to really lead us down perilous paths. But, but the main takeaway I'm trying to sort of apply here is just this. It's not as easy as simply being like, Oh, it's just learn how to be content. And yet (laughs) at the same time, there is a degree of that, right? Like just, yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, it's
2: that, what do they say? It's, it's uh, it's simple. It's not easy. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
3: But just this idea that like, you become so rabid for a thing that you become blinded to what's around you. And yeah. maybe I'm speaking from having a, a 14 year old right now, and teenage life is like running <laughs> rapid through their <laughs> house. I'm like, oh my God, who are you? And what have you done to my
1: child? But that's a whole other podcast.
0: But
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I think, I think too, like, I, I wrote this line down and God, the implications are legion, but um, casually in that, you know, debrief evening they were having over, over drinks, the camera changes things. And I thought about just the simplicity of that. Mm. Line that I said, the camera changes things. And again, the implications are far reaching for what you mean by camera and what you mean by things. And yeah, follow me. What do you mean by change? <laughs> because <laughs> <laughs> then we're left with nothing of substance whatsoever, <laughs> <laughs> except for the. But um, so, but but. Uh, <laughs> backing out of the levity for a second, is you talk about that that horizon, that window. I've watched it happen a lot. A a a conversion experience, but sometimes profoundly uh large and emotive and theatrical and sometimes significantly more subtle. Um, but then the lens through which things are happening now, and when I say the conversion experience, I am what I am not talking about um, is I'm not talking about coming into a waking knowing of Jesus Christ and 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 beginning to develop a relationship with God that's d- deeper and richer and, and more meaningful than maybe other people might have exposed been exposed to before. Uh, so, I'm not talking about that long journey of relationship. I'm talking about uh, a pivot point where it's like bef- before this, after this. And that way, the line, the camera changes things makes me think of just like, okay, well, now everything's going to be seen through this particular lens. And to the point you were at least scratching at, I don't know if this is precisely what you were saying, Nathan, but it's what it invoked in, 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 invoked in me is just this notion of like, yeah, well, I'm peering through this lens of what is over there. And if I can just reach that, this is not a great analogy, but if I can just reach that into the rainbow, not realizing that what you're pursuing is illusion and mirage. Like, mm. well, no, I, c- I can see it. It's right there. I could even perhaps chart a point in time to where I could get there, never realizing that they're like, well, you realize that the further or the closer you get to it, the further it moves away from you because it is just merely illusion. And it's not going to be something you're ever going to be able to get your hands around or grasp or or engage with. Uh, and rather, what is maybe more fruitful and healthy is to look around at what you have right here. And what can you build here? What can you appreciate here? What can you receive here? What can you change here? Not through the lens that's, you know, over there. And it sounds a it's sounding to me like I'm, you know, tamping down goals and and dreams and emotions. I'm not actually trying to say that. I'm just trying to say like there's uh, there's this way we can get so stuck in our heads that The arrival at a place or a thing will be the fulfillment of all that we've been missing, lacking, wanting instead of trying to look around us and see like, well, no, let me just let me just think and engage and and feel to a certain degree differently about what I have here. Maybe even just see it differently because the camera changes things. Um, Anyway, I don't know if I'm being coherent, but that's that's what's percolating in my imaginations with all these kinds of thoughts. These are good movies. I like these movies. <laughs> <laughs> I Like these moves, really crazy. are just stellar. Yeah. Um, well, I think this is. You know, we're, we we we've talked a while, but we're getting to the point now to where we would, you know, would kind of wrap up with our with our metric of fog meter. Um, so uh, as we build to there uh, for Jr. for Nathan, either one. Uh, if there's anything that you're like, oh man, I went into this conversation wanting to talk about this and have not spoken about this, then you know, kind of, kind of toss it in now. Otherwise, we will move to our rating system and and wind the whole thing down. Um, Jr. Nathan, you guys got anything?
2: I, I genuinely don't. Uh, we've covered so much, and I had a few things on my list to mention that y'all
1: absolutely nailed. So awesome, 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 love it, Nathan. I feel good? like
3: we we haven't explicitly called it out, but on on list if we're making a that so right list i mean that dance sequence is incredible i mean Ooh. it is just there. there's so many moments in the film pearl that just are impressive feats of cinema and performance mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um you know we've we've name checked the monologue we've name checked the closing credit scene but that and not just because of the actual choreography but the way that whole thing is staged i mean you you talk about lenses and the camera changes things and reality versus fantasy like that moment is exemplary of that entire conceit which is you 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 have pressed into this woman's psyche and she is not operating inside of reality and then on top of that you fold it over into one of the most haunting images in both films of, of two films replete with haunting images which is she seeing the audition panelists as those she's killed? Oh God! You know, yes, and them rendering uh, yeah, their yeah, verdict yeah. upon her. I mean, it is mm-hmm. a powerful, fascinating, incredible uh, bit of filmmaking. And two, I want to uh, have this for posterity, read in case you want to use it. But I wanted to engage a little bit in a way that wasn't in the midst of the conversation and and or oh. might make us self conscious. The question you asked that I've been thinking about of the the pastor footage um, oh. to me, X is a very literal narrative. I I, mm-hmm. I personally don't think um, we're getting sort of projections and, and sort of internals because correct me if I'm wrong, but I think the only places you see the footage are in the bodega in the gas station. Right.
1: Does mm-hmm. it show up there? It does show up in the gas station right? when yep. they're on the way
3: to the farmhouse. It does, Um, and we're getting the impression this is some sort of. uh, I think Jr. use use the word revival. This is a lengthy sort of thing, and I'm going to allow the possibility that I'm wrong about it being in the gas station because where I think it's in the gas station, okay, yeah, because the movie starts with the flashback of the cop Mm -hmm. at the house, and it's on the TV. Then, yes. Well, then of course it's also when it resumes there with him saying his daughter maxine well the next the only other time you see it is the night of
2: prior to the cops showing up right like assuming so they like, showed up the next morning it's like yes. towards the yeah. end of the night so is watching it Still going.
3: the yeah. night she and maxine have the confrontation in her hallway and it ends with her death so she's watching it it's on the tv through the night and then the cops show up to us anyway point being i was trying to parse that out myself um and just you know i i don't think it shows up haphazardly and to me it was tethered to the same night again the gas station notwithstanding anyway
1: that's interesting yeah I had about the it was a- it was actually the gas station that pivoted me to wondering if it was non-literal a, a, a if it was non-literal and and it wasn't just the that it was playing, but it was the continuity of thought, because even if it was a continuous thing that had been happening, we are fed sequential pieces of information like he he is building to something that he would not have lingered for even an overnight amount to make his point when we mm-hmm. see it so that that was the only
2: I will that. say it's incredibly charitable of you to assume that a revival preacher had a point that he only made it once and that he built to it linearly.
1: That is, that is fair. That's the writer in me. And it's also uh, the comic book fan in me. That, yeah. That was- oh, no. I get it.
2: Um, Who I've just sat under some preachers that, you know, it's like, Good it's point. like they're uh, it's like the runways are icy and they're just circling. You know, that's waiting, that's a super good, waiting to be called in. And then like, Mm -hmm. eventually they get there. Oh no, just kidding. We touch down and back, you know, so we're right back (laughs) Go. No, that is a really good point. No, Uh That was tongue in cheek. I do hear what you're saying, Reed, about like, it was very clearly like, a you know, we were hearing a single conversation at Mm -hmm. multiple points. Like I, I I do, but I, I tend, and I don't know, I don't know that I can justify this, but I tended to read it more the way Nathan did, even though your points make me, uh, deeply question that but yeah the gas gas
3: station one is the fly in the ointment for me because i don't disagree with you it it's
2: i mean the other thing is like we're also talking about the 70s this is before 24-hour television it's entirely possible this is just something that's on a loop on one of those like little country stations also possible
1: which i think and and maybe that's why it's it's one of those things where it's like okay yeah maybe that's what's intended to invoke is this like this is just the channel and this public access channel has one thing that they play because that's who's paid for the time or that's you know that's what it i'd is.
2: genuinely be surprised if ty west put that much thought into it i think it was more like he wanted us to good point. get the thematic beats from the sermon and then have mm-hmm. the big reveal yeah. that it's maxine is right. his daughter that's a know? good point
1: yeah 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 because that's the thing is like the reveal that it's going to you know that, that everything is building to that it's maxine um the other thing that makes me feel like it's a projection is that uh nobody Reacts to it at all? At all? Right. Nobody reacts to it.
2: I mean, um, that's that's the effect my preaching has most of the time. I don't know. <laughs> you
1: know, <laughs> been there. Oh yeah, man, I've been just there. like <laughs> nobody. No. Okay, where we keep going? Yeah. <laughs> okay, all right. So not even an amen. Okay, no, all right. No, okay, it's not. Yeah. That's why we podcast. Um, it's like I'm just But like, and yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> also, also, um, it is, it is on, but not on. It is on when nobody is watching it. So like Howard and Pearl were up in the bedroom asleep. Everybody else was asleep. Nobody is watching it. It's just on. And I also would find it, especially given the fact that Pearl establishes that their religion was Catholicism. Yeah. Why would she be that attuned to an evangelical preacher that also happens to eventually. And if it is on a loop, here's another thing. If it is on a loop, they'd have recognized Maxine, those freckles. You can't like if it if it is on a loop, they would have recognized Maxine. It would not have it would not have been a non conversation if that's on a loop that they're watching. You know, I I realize I'm kind of now pivoting from questioning to trying to convince, but I just the more I thought about it, the more I thought like I think this is a is Well, now a
3: I just need rejection. to go watch it again and pay. It's just an excuse to do it. Not nah, man, pay the easiest pay option is for us to attention.
2: meet. We meet at Ty West house. We convert or that. let like, Let's do that. We're like, bro. Yeah. Bruh. Did you even think about <laughs> Projection, this? I'm on my yeah. way. Like, yep. Projection? Read. Yeah. Like, whatever, all the real. rest of the bull crap in your movie, no one even cares because yeah. of this glaring plot <laughs> thing that is completely unexplained.
3: And read, I love you. But when you say a TV just on somewhere, I am not this person, but I am related to sports people. And ESPN oh. is just a thing that gets turned oh. on, whether people are paying attention to it or not. It's on a loop. They show the same footage and reels over and over. And
2: I'm I like, hope oh, you God, say y'all. prayers of gratitude that it's at least on sports. Yeah, that's because I'm related point. to people that it's like QVC or nothing, baby. Okay, oh, well, sweet. Sure. But, oh, you know,
3: I <laughs> mean, <laughs> two paths diverge in a wood you know they both suck you know i would so
1: (laughs) so yes we'll 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 uh i'll maybe try to find a way with that if you want integrate this little you know afterthought segment in there oh (laughs) if it it includes the entire three-hour conversation about these two movies and did not make it that's what she said joke yeah that was fair that was fair so uh, if we're good let's go ahead and go to to (laughs) our specific metric of uh The fog meter, which uh, listeners have come to learn by now, does not grade the quality of the films, but rather grades their gravity, their heft um, by measuring their fear and their substance. So um, let's do these. Let's do these as separate films, even though we've kind of discussed them as a piece and rightfully so. Um, So, Jr. as our guest. I'm going to invite you to give your fear measurement, how scary these movies are, X and Pearl each on a scale of 0 to 10. What would you give X and what would you give Pearl? I'd give X probably an 8. Terrific practical effects,
2: relatively creative kills uh, for a slasher. You know, Mm -hmm. Um, hard to do that. I say that as someone who recently subjected myself to Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey. Um, And so... (laughs) Uh yeah, oh bother. Uh, it was not not good. Um uh, yeah, <laughs> but yeah, I was I waited the whole movie for that line and did not get it.
1: Spoilers oh, for playing no. the blood and honey is so. wrong. Now I'm not seeing it.
2: I'm my guess is actually I don't know if that was in the original books or just in the Disney so I don't know where the copyright with oh bother lies or if that you can copyright sense. a catchphrase, but anyway, yeah that's my point. suspicion. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, I I and then again, like we talked about several sequences that don't involve any actual gore, but are still incredibly harrowing uh, sure. for a various uh, very various reasons. So, I'm, yeah, I'm going to give it a solid eight.
1: Awesome. And what would you give to Pearl?
2: Um, prob- uh, fear, specifically, probably like fear. a five. Uh, I okay. didn't find cool. peer, yeah. uh, Pearl uh, nearly as frightening uh, until, mm-hmm. you know, towards the end. It was much more, I would say, like disquieting or maybe unsettling. Yeah.
1: Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: Again, not to knock it because, as you said, we're not grading no, quality.
1: But yeah, 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 this is this is about uh, grading gravity. Uh, Nathan, what would you give to X and Pearl on the fear measurement, zero to ten?
3: Um, of X, it would be appropriate, but I think a bit of a reach to give it a ten. But that <laughs> that would be appropriate. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that said, I'm going to surprise myself a little bit here. If what I'm reading in the film is not just me. I think this is a far smarter, scarier movie than it's surface levels would indicate. Yeah. And so right. screw it. I'm going for a 10. All right. I think right. If this movie is about He's done it. the fear of bodies, our <laughs> own a- in relation to others. I think this is a very well executed, scary movie at what it is doing. Yeah. Um, so, right. so I'm going to do it for, the scares on x and then for pearl um i will pull back a little bit and go for seven i think by the time the bedlam begins i feel like we described this about a movie oh Um, (laughs) shoot what was the name of that movie Oh my gosh! What was the movie that I, I took as a, a cue from another podcast and I watched, but then didn't want to talk about because it, it unsettled oh, me so much? Oh, uh,
1: uh, uh, speak no evil. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah.
3: <laughs> yeah. Yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> very different, but Pearl, like speak no evil, has this enthralling effect that mm-hmm. by the time you're aware of the hell you're in, it is far too late to to escape. Mm-hmm um and so I, I will give it a seven on the okay on the scare meter fear meter
1: um i think my ratings are going to be kind of akin to both of yours that like uh so if we're if we're talking fear i think x is a, a very very scary film i think it has a lot of unsettling disturbing things in it uh that are more visceral and so uh i i actually am gonna uh, i think i'm gonna split the difference between you i'm gonna go with a nine for x um And then for Pearl, I actually found on an existential level, quite a few of Mia Goth's, you know, bigger moments, uh, to be, to be pretty unsettling and disturbing. Um, but, but still there's definitely not quite as, as nightmarish a quality in the same way with Pearl as there is with X. So, so feel the need to delineate some there. I think I'm, uh, Nathan, I think I'm going to sit with you on your seven for Pearl, um, and so I'm gonna snake back around to let Jr. finish us off. So for me on the God meter measuring the substance, I'm gonna rate these both uh, profoundly high. I, j- j- screw it, it's a ten for both on on the God meter. I'm 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 giving a ten for both because here's the thing. In there it is. Uh, <laughs> Jr. keeps throwing up. These you just mics. blew Jr. back <laughs> from his mic. Whoa, he's, he's he's gonna need a drink. Um, but so like, but no, I th- I feel like. Because they've given me so much to think about. I loved I loved Pearl when I watched it the first time, but watching him through this, there was no like deterioration of anything. There was in there was more elevation. And I feel like that's just going to continue to happen. If I revisit these films in a couple of years, I think I'm just once more going to be blown away by how thoughtful and interesting they are. I cannot wait to see what Maxine gives us and how that changes the conversation on these the way pearl did for x so yeah on the god meter i'm giving them both a 10 nathan what what would you do
3: well and just a forecast down the road here jr you do know that you have uh willfully or not signed up to guest on maxine
2: it's um, always willful that's yes, happening yes. that's happening. um awesome
3: uh, uh you know i like to have my own thoughts sometimes but I also know when uh, getting in uh, getting in line is appropriate, so I'm just going to follow <laughs> you, brother. And uh, X marks the spot with both these movies. Ten. All right. All right. Done. I'm gonna JR? I'm gonna make it a
2: hat yes. trick, y'all. Um, oh, yes. Oh, yeah. And again, Reed, yes. you you nailed it. It is it is the rare horror film that is deeply enjoyable as a horror film on a mm-hmm. surface level. If you just want to turn your brain off and be entertained, yeah. yes. And then also gets more and more provocative every time you watch it. Yeah. Uh, and then again, to have the experience of watching Pearl and enjoying that on its own and then watching them together and having, uh, you know, I think Nathan, like you just said, like the whole conversation change. Yeah. uh, Almost completely because of the way Mm -hmm. these two films speak to each other. It's, I, I can't think of another, certainly not in the horror genre, another film pairing, uh, like this at all. Uh, And, and yeah, the, it's, it, you, we don't have, I, I, I'm sure your listeners are well aware. We don't have to agree with what the film is saying to, right. to agree that it is a, it is a incredibly fruitful conversation partner. Yeah. 100%. So it's, I, it's, yeah. it's hard not to give it a 10 for that. You know, it's like, um, it's almost
3: like the horror version of the link letter before films.
2: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> oh, <let's>
3: yeah. just,
1: <laughs> check in with these. Yeah. They're yeah. connected Every thematically so connected narratively, but speak different things. Yeah, no, absolutely. Well, that means that we have given on the fog meter, again, the gravity of them, we have given Pearl an 8 out of 10, which is a firm showing. Gentlemen, we have given X a nine and a half out of 10 on, on that. Uh, I'm, I feel like kind of just rounding that up to a 10 yeah. for that, which is, I mean, is yes. yeah, come on. Like, yes, it's do a 10. It. It's a 10 because it's X, X marks right. your spot. It's 10. <laughs> it's got that X factor. That's it. That's it's, it's the appropriate thing to do. Uh,
2: Wolverine oh. shows up in that one post-credit scene. So yeah, yeah, it's yeah, X. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's the
1: best exactly. he is at what he does. <laughs> so great. Um, Cause he was alive
2: think, back then. Cause he's old. that's
1: right. Exactly. Right? Yeah. yeah that's, that's, uh, he yeah, was that's, in,
2: that's, he was on the background
3: uh, yeah, when she was walking through the town. In yes, Pearl. well, he was exactly. like the
2: third judge. I don't know if you knew it was the mutton chops were what gave it away. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. And he calls her um, Bub. Yeah. Right, right, right. Of course. Uh, that is,
1: this is not all we need, Bob. <laughs> this is so wow. wonderful. Um, so, a significantly easier question for listeners to guess and for us to answer given if they've listened to this conversation. But, quick round robin Do you recommend these films? Uh, JR is our guest. I'm going to start with you. Do you recommend X and Pearl? Yeah, you gotta understand X is about a porn
2: movie that turns into a slasher. So sure, uh, you know, all all appropriate qualifications there, right? (laughs) Yes. Um and I guess I don't know if you're triggered by the Wizard of Oz, maybe stay away from Pearl, but that's (laughs) like a weird thing, right? Like I have not not tried to start Dark Side of the Moon with Pearl, so I don't know, I don't know what happens. Oh yeah. I don't know what I don't know. Folks, there's there's, there's going to be a meme
3: about that. So. Then you're going so to walk out your front door and there's a maggot pig on the
1: step. <laughs> right? Yeah.
2: So those qualifications aside, yes, heartily recommend.
1: Awesome, Nathan. Do you recommend them? I do. Awesome. And yeah, likewise, like Jr. said, with all those all those necessary qualifiers, know what you're getting into, be able to engage it with a certain degree of of uh, thoughtfulness and maturity. You're you're going to have a great time. It's uh, it's really. It's really so well done. Um, yeah. We don't have time for a rant. I understand that, but like
2: really gets at the hypocrisy of the delineation we make between sex and violence um, mm-hmm. as two, mm-hmm. two differently, different levels of acceptability of the exploitation of a body. Right. Oh, um, Right. Right. <laughs> Like mm-hmm. I, I'm not breaking any new ground here, right? No. Uh, we 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 don't watch R-rated movies unless it's the Passion of the Christ. We we know this oh, this old hat, this right. old bag, right? Yes, um, exactly. But but yeah, this movie this movie really drives that point home. It's like,
1: oh, one hundred percent, one hundred percent. And man, like it's it's so funny because I'm in this moment, I, Nathan. I know it's late. It's, you know, it's even getting late here. You know, so but it's just like, oh, I, I love these movies so much. That these movies are so exciting. Um, and there's, and there's just so much to talk about. We could have a whole nother pair of conversations about them. Um, so yeah, uh, listeners, uh, let us know what you thought. Uh, let us know what you got out of it. Uh, it, did it ignite the same things if you watched it and you were like, what's the big deal? Hopefully this conversation has encouraged you to revisit it, revisit both of them. Um, and uh, yeah, we will definitely be revisiting this universe uh, when Maxine comes out, um, because I think that's going to be a lot of fun. And I'm really eager to see where they take the conversation from here. Jr., this has been a blast. It has been. Yeah, thank man. you guys so much. It's yeah. such a so special
2: long. privilege to join you. And for these two movies, I felt really honored. I was like, oh,
1: of all the ones that it's a seat can- of honor. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Thank you. Uh, seriously. <laughs> well,
1: yeah. Well, we are so happy to have you and it will not be so many years before we have you back. That is a, that is a guarantee you can bank. I'm out. just glad
3: so, you've proven our, our hypothesis that we can make a good, dirty podcast. You know, so,
1: <laughs> yes, exactly. exactly. One
2: of your listeners surely will count the number of innuendos that we said, <laughs> but can yes. you count the ones we didn't say? <laughs> <laughs> no, awesome. no, they're countless <laughs> 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 grains of sand. My friends are of sand. <laughs>
1: That's so great. Seven at times, seven. Uh, read, finish us. (laughs) Okay. All right. All right. Oh, yes, there it is again. So um, what I'll do is uh, next week, ladies and gentlemen, uh, we will be visited once more. uh, We'll be entering the Hall of the Quarterly Queens they will be having a discussion that I'm sure will be an incredible amount of fun about Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. That will be the official ultimate conclusion of 2022.2. And then also, they'll be revealing your listener voted top 10 horror films that you voted on from last year. Uh, Probably proximal to that, you're going to be seeing what won officially the second annual Foggy Awards in our 10 nominee categories. Um, And then, listeners, please pick up a copy of from your local library, from your local bookstore of Stephen King's 1978 collection Night Shift, because immediately following next week's quarterly Queens episode, we will be diving into that in kind of a new format for us. We're going to have some friends of the show. We're going to have some fog staffers. It's going to be a really wonderful time. And uh, we will let you know what stories are kind of coming up as you read through them. So if you want to just read them all and get them out of the way, you can. Or if you want to kind of follow along with us as we cover the stories, you can do that too. This is uh, kind of the flexibility of the format. So anyway, thank you again, JR. Nathan, thank you again as always. And as we say on every episode, the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, but it is not the end of the conversation. And in that spirit, we encourage you to fear no nothing else and be on your way rejoicing. We will see you all next week. Bye, everybody. Peace out, mofos. Bye-bye. The fear of
3: God is the beginning of wisdom, but not the end of the conversation. And you can continue the conversation in a variety of ways. Start by visiting thefearofgodpodcast.com for links to our social media and episode archive, essays, merchandise, and more. If you love what we do, consider becoming a patron by visiting patreon.com slash thefearofgodpodcast, where you will unlock exclusive bonus episodes, extended standard episodes, online events, and so much more. Special thanks to Jacob Hunt of tracermatula.com for our artwork, our assortment of talented musicians Andrew Nelson, the Island family, and Jackson Harper for our varied show tunes, and to Lee Wright and Reed Lackey for our theme music. Special thank you also to Tyler Smith at MoreThanOneLesson.com. Lastly, be sure to subscribe to us on your podcast platform of choice. And if you listen to us through Apple Podcasts, we would greatly appreciate a rating and a review. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next week.
0: Hi, everybody!